0: Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, I got a question for you this morning, and I just, I need total honesty on this one, okay? Like, total honesty. Is there anybody here in the room who actually reads the terms and conditions before agreeing to them? Anyone in the room? I got to admit, never, in, oh, well, we got one person. Never in my life have I ever e- ever even read one sentence of the terms and agreements. You know what I'm talking about? Like, where you get, like, a new Piece of electronics, or a new software, or something like that, or a new app, or something. There's like, uh, like this like huge pages and pages of legalese, and you have to like read through it. And basically, what it's saying is you can't sue the company for, you know, whatever. It's like releasing them from any uh, kind of liability. But uh, it was funny. I was doing a deep dive on terms and conditions the other day and came across actually some really funny terms and conditions included in certain organizations. Did you know that buried in section 57.1 of Amazon's terms of conditions, uh, it actually talks about like the safe use of lumberyard materials? And so Amazon actually has hidden away this clause that negates the whole section should the zombie apocalypse come. I'm not joking. Here, we'll read it. It says, However, this restriction will not apply in the event of the occurrence certified by the United States Center for Disease Control or Successor Body, assuming the CDC fails, of a widespread viral infection transmitted via bites or contact with bodily fluids that cause human corpses to reanimate and seek to consume living flesh, blood, brain, or nerve tissue, and is likely to result in the fall of organized civilization. (laughs) I think they're covered in that respect. I was also reading a story about there was a man who, he didn't like the terms and conditions of this credit card that he was applying for. And so somehow, like in the story, it didn't say how he did it, but, you know, he didn't like the credit limit, he didn't like the percentage rate and all the fees and things hidden in there. And so somehow he was able to rewrite the terms and conditions and sign that and send it back to the bank. And what was funny was the bank actually signed it. And so later, the bank is suing this man because he said it to where it's like 0% interest always, there's no credit limit, no hidden fees or anything like that. And of course, the bank is like furious about this. So they sue the man, and the amazing thing is the judge sided with the man because they signed, the bank signed the terms and conditions. They should have read it before. Now, my favorite one, though, on uh, the iTunes program, anybody use iTunes it actually says this on the terms and conditions you also agree that you will not use these products for any purposes prohibited prohibited by united states law including without limitation the development design manufacture production of nuclear missile or chemical or biological weapons so you can't use itunes to make a nuclear weapon So, I mean, like, if you're, like, listening to T. Swift's new album and you, like, think the album is sick, that's okay. You just can't use it to make other people sick because it's in the terms and conditions. Now, here's the thing about that. Multiple times throughout the Bible, God kind of renews the terms and conditions that he sets with his people. He wants to remind them, like, I want you to know and to remember because enough time can go by that we forget, this is what you've gotten yourself into. And that he's wanting to remind them of all the varied ways that God is working on their behalf as his people. Now, unlike modern day companies, the terms and conditions that God lays out in his covenant with his people are never ever for his benefit or protection, but always for ours. And so before we get into some of the cool stuff that I really want to talk about today is we are, I mean, number one, welcome. Welcome to Vision 2021. We're going to be talking about some cool things that we're excited about coming up uh, in 2021. So we're thankful for everyone who is here, who uh, is from Effingham, our Shelbyville campus, people who are watching from our Newton campus online, those who are watching from Church at Home. Regardless of how you're involved in this service, we're super thankful you're here today. And like I said, I'm excited for some of the things that I want to be able to share with you. Um, But one thing I wanted to do was, always as we get into the beginning of the year, I find myself kind of looking looking back over the year, reflecting and praying, and asking the Lord, like, like, Lord, what do you want us to know? How do you want to encourage us by your Spirit? What, what are our marching orders, in a sense, moving forward? And I felt like the Lord showed me a passage that I want to share with you this morning, in Isaiah chapter 43. So if you have your Bibles with you you want to turn with me to Isaiah 43, you're welcome to do that. We'll also have it on the screen. Now, just to give you a little context, Isaiah 43 finds the people of Israel in a really bad place. They have been sent off into exile because of just continued unabated sin and rebellion. But in the midst of their exile, the Lord doesn't leave them where they're at, but instead sends the prophet to encourage a people in exile and remind them of not only who they are, but whose they are and what God is about to do in their midst. He's reminding them, in a sense, of the terms and conditions of their relationship and what that means for their future. So, Isaiah 43 verse 1 starts us off like this. It says, "But now this is what the Lord says, who he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine." Now, notice this right away. Israel isn't probably at this moment feeling like they are the Lord's because they've been sent out of the land. They have been, their temple has been destroyed. They have been sent off into exile. But the first thing that God reminds them is that it is not their behavior, but rather their relationship with him. That matters most. They belong to him. They want us to know, and we need to know this too in the midst of our relationship, that God's work in us is based on his relationship with us, not our work for him. So basically, God's presence and work in our lives is not based on how hard we work for him, or how hard we strive spiritually, or what we accomplish for him. It is based on his love for us, his commitment to transform us into the image of his son, that he is literally putting our lives back together and putting really the whole world back together, and he is not giving up until he's done. So he reminds them, that's the foundation for it, that I've called you by name. And he calls them, calls them Jacob, calls them Israel, names them by name, saying, I have called you, I have summoned you, I have loved you. But then he gives this encouragement in verse 2. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba for your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Now, I absolutely love what the prophet Isaiah is doing here because he invokes this imagery which would have been all too familiar to the people of God. He invokes imagery from the exodus from Egypt. God is saying like, oh, you're in exile now, and you think that I won't move on your behalf? You think that I'm just going to leave you in your terrible situation? Did I leave you in slavery? No. I rescued you. I rescued you then, and I'll do it again. And the imagery used here is powerful because he says the waters that you feel like are overwhelming you are not going to overwhelm you. you, know, overwhelm you. That he's using the image of the Red Sea being parted. Imagine walking through dry land, seeing walls of water on both sides. The crossing of the Jordan, where the Jordan River is stopped as they pass through into the Holy Land He says that the fire will not consume you or burn you. Imagine for 40 years being led by a pillar cloud by day and this cloud of fire by night. That was their life during that time, being led by the Spirit of God. He says, none of these trials will overwhelm you to the point of defeat. You are precious in my sight, and I will always be with you. See, Isaiah was reminding Israel that God's future will always be... That God's future work will always be built on his past behavior. That we can look back on the faithfulness of God. We can look back on the things done, that he has done and trust that he's going to do the same type of things in the future. If God did it once, he can do it again. If he was faithful back then, he will be faithful now. We can, if we could trust him back then, we can trust him now. If he is with us. And see, all of this is building to the new things that God was wanting to do in their midst that he would begin to describe in verse 5. He says, I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made." Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together, and the peoples assemble. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right, so that others may hear and say, It is true, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he." Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. Now, notice the language he uses. I'm bringing your sons and daughters back from from afar. I'm bringing them back to myself. You are going to be called to lead the blind, to lead the deaf out. You're going to be my instrument for reaching people who are far away from me. That my work in your life, yes, it is for your benefit, but it is ultimately for my glory. And the transformative work I'm doing in your life is always, 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 always for the sake of others. Souls will be saved. Lives will be changed. That is the work that I'm going to do in you. And then he comes to it in verse 18. This is what the Lord says. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. See, I believe that this is the word of the Lord for us today in 2021. God is about to do a new thing. It is high time that we leave 2020 in the past, that we stop whining, that we stop complaining. We stop talking about the way things used to be and we move on to the things that the Lord is calling us to. He is about to do something new in our midst. Are we ready for it? Are we prepared? Some of you remember how at the beginning of last year I had shared that I felt like the Lord told us that we're supposed to get ready, that we're gonna be crossing the Jordan. And of course I had no idea what that meant at the time. And we've learned it, ended up being true in a lot different ways than I thought. And I believe in many ways he was talking about the craziness and just the battle that has come with this last year, everything that has gone on. And I felt like in the midst of this year, the Lord showed me that he said, I am shaking this world. I'm shaking my church. I'm shaking away, showing all these things that we were putting our trust in and didn't realize we were putting our trust in things in the world that we thought we were, that we could put our trust in. I'm going to shake those things away. You're going to see that those things were temporary. They were temporal. They were not of me, and all that's going to be left after this shaking are the things that matter most. The old ways are dying, and you know what? I say good riddance. We need to ready the new wineskins for the new wine that God is going to pour out on us And see, while things may still seem tough and seem difficult, we need to remember the words that are given in Isaiah 43 and verse 2. Take them to heart, where he says, When you're passing through the water, you're not going to be overwhelmed. That you're passing through the fire, but you won't be consumed. Because the truth is, there are some of you right now, you think that you're drowning, but you're not drowning. You're crossing the Jordan. You're passing through the water. There are some of you who may feel like you're being burnt by the fire, consumed by the conflagration, but you're not being consumed. You're being refined. See, some of you right now, you think this last year has been a punishment, but the truth is you're not being punished. You're being prepared. God is up to something new, and he is inviting every single one of us to be a part of it. In verses 5 through 8, give us this glimpse of it. It's our vision bring the sons and daughters from the east and the west and the north and the south. Our vision has always been to see a greater movement of Jesus in each new generation. And I think for the longest time when we were only one generation in, we thought it was like we just reached these kids and that's it. But of course, we're realizing as time goes on that it's like, it's not just about one generation. It's about creating this disciple-making movement that perpetuates an even greater movement of Jesus in each successive new generation. Meaning that the way that I experienced God and knew Jesus, that my kids are going to experience Jesus in an even greater way than me, and their kids even greater than them, and their kids even greater than them, that that is what God has called us to do, is to see this greater movement of Jesus in each new generation. The truth is, we're not done, no matter how well we reach one generation. We are not done. God is moving in each generation, and are we ready for the new things that he's going to do? Or are we clinging to the models of the way things used to be? And that's the temptation of every generation is I can only see through the lens and the filter of how God moved in my life. And I assume that's the only way other people can experience God is the way that I experienced God. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 forget that. I want them to experience me in an even greater way, a way that you can't even imagine. And are you open to that? Or are we clinging to the past? And so that's my encouragement for 2021. If you still feel like you're drowning, it's just because you're not on the other side of the Jordan yet, so keep swimming. If you feel like you're being consumed in the fire, that means that God just isn't done with you yet. You are still being refined. He is preparing you for what is ahead. And if you're looking back, wondering why things aren't like they used to be, hear the word of the Lord. Forget the old things. Behold, I am doing something new. Are you ready for it? And see, even though, you know, through COVID shutdowns and political upheaval and racial tensions and all the other 2020 craziness has slowed us down, our sights are still set on what God has called us to do. And and you know what it is. Shelbyville. We still need to be obedient to the thing that God called us to do even back then. And so we're going to Shelbyville. We've been going to Shelbyville. This, in many ways, I believe that Shelbyville is our Jericho. It's our first battle in the land. The first thing we're supposed to conquer, not in our own strength, not in our own understanding, not in our own abilities, but through the power and strength of the Spirit. And see, with Van stepping up into the multi-site pastor role, we, you know, started the first Sundays in Shelbyville. This was back in the spring, and then, of course, things shut down for a while, but we started it back up in the summer, and it has slowly been gaining more and more steam. And so then our next step was we need to find a permanent location for New Hope Shelbyville, for all those people who are going to call that their campus, their permanent home. We wanted to find a permanent place for them. And so we did, back in December, we found a facility near downtown Shelbyville, the old bowling alley. And so thankfully, through much of your generosity here today, we were able to purchase that in whole uh, at the end of the year, giving us a future home for New Hope Shelbyville. But see, here's the next stage for the mission in Shelby County. We need to make that building a home that is worthy of all the amazing people who are gonna call it their church home in the future. But before we get into all that, I wanted to give you guys a chance. If you've never seen the facility, if you haven't had the chance to stop by there, uh, why don't you check out this video and see what it's all about.
1: Hey guys, we wanna welcome you to Shelbyville. We wanna take you on the tour of the building. This is the former bowling alley, a hundred foot long steel building. And we wanna take you inside and look around a little bit. Follow me. building. If you've ever wanted a DIY project, this is it. And so we're looking forward to the next few months working on this. We'll take you in here and show you where the folding alley used to be. We had a group of guys come up here and we began cutting it up. We had chainsaws going, we had saws all going. Sweated a lot, got it all cut up, and this will be where the auditorium's at. We're standing where the future foyer will be with the coffee bar and with men's and women's restrooms on either side. It'll be kind of the hub of what we're doing. On this other side of the wall, we're going to put a flex room where we can have young people meet during the week, and I'll take you across the hall to see the other location. cool thing about this building is there's not a lot of walls to take down. We're going to take down basically one wall, but it's a bare blank surface where we can work with and make a very functional building. And we want you to keep up with it. If you'd like to keep up with the information on it, you can go to shelbyville.cc, shelbyville.cc and keep up with the progress and see how you can help, how you can be a part of this. We are looking forward to this journey. Thank you so much.
0: Now, because of your generosity, we are, like I said, able to purchase that building outright. And because of your willingness, many of you, to step up and volunteer, uh, we were able to complete the needed demolition just recently uh, so we could have a fresh canvas to start over and make that future campus a great tool to live out our mission and vision for reaching the next generation. But there's still a lot of work ahead of us. And I want to be able to take this morning to invite you all a little bit into helping make that happen. Today, we are officially starting a new campaign called For Shelbyville. And we're going to be launching a three-phase campaign. It's one big God-sized goal that will be split into three phases. And here's the cool thing about For Shelbyville. I believe that we can pull this entire thing off without going into debt. The renovations are set up in a way that we're only going to start a new phase once we have the cash on hand for the previous phase and we're able to complete it. And we will not start each successive phase until we have the cash on hand. We're literally going to take this renovation one step at a time. Now, I'm going to throw some numbers at you, okay? And the truth is, we're a family here. I want you guys to be in the know of what's going on here, and so we're gonna have just a little bit of, maybe a little bit of a family meeting, and we're gonna talk numbers just a little bit. We spent the last month getting multiple bids on all the different aspects of the renovation and still waiting to hear back on uh, some of those multiple bids, but we feel confident enough to be able to give a general amount of what we think this renovation is going to be. And so here's the numbers, I'll just throw them out to you. From start to finish, we believe that the renovation of this campus will cost around $650,000. Now, that number is going to cover everything from HVAC, plumbing, electricity, framing and sheetrock, flooring, painting, lights and sound, literally everything that we would need to be able to make weekly services at this campus a reality. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. $650,000 is a big amount of money to raise. It is definitely a God-sized goal But thankfully, we serve a God that is even bigger than our goals, right? We've been bathing this whole process in prayer, asking the Lord that he would abundantly provide for our needs, you know, far beyond what we could ask and imagine. And the thing I love about this, and this is just such a God thing, like, this is just the way Jesus works, and I love this. He constantly surprises me. you think I would not be surprised by this, um, but literally, like, I'm, I'm in the middle of rolling this out to you all right now. Like, we have even, like, officially announced the For Shelbyville campaign in its entirety, and even just not that long ago, we had someone anonymously and generously step forward to match up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for this project like can we give God a hand for that now what does that mean it means that for every dollar given in the first two phases for every dollar given it's automatically going to be doubled so like Let's just say, for example, and I can, you know, it says God can do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine, and I can ask and imagine a lot. So let's just pretend that by the end of today, we were to raise $250,000, that that money just came in, it would literally automatically double and be $500,000. That's what the matching does. It's literally going to be double. So with that matching in place, technically, we only really need to raise $400,000. And so here are how the phases are going to be broken down. Like I said, it's one God-sized goal, but it's going to be broken into free, uh, three phases. Phase one is our first challenge where we want to raise the initial 125000 in the next couple weeks to get construction started. That's heating, plumbing, HVAC, electrical, like the basics to just even begin to use the building in any sort of way just to be able to use the facility. So that's the first phase. Then in phase two, we will raise an additional 125000 to get the building ready enough that we can actually start having monthly gatherings in the facility. So the first Sundays in Shelbyville, Once we get to the end of phase two, we'll be able to hold those events in their own facility. So this is going to include things like framing and sheetrock, insulation, bathrooms, concrete, maybe just some simple initial light and sound to be able to have regular monthly worship services at that campus. And then finally, phase three will be the final challenge where we have to raise the last 150000 of this. And once we have that money, it is literally just putting the final touches on this building. Drop ceiling, paint, flooring, signage, those types of things, landscaping. Everything to make New Hope Shelbyville feel like the home that it will be and in many ways already is to that community. See, once we raise the money for phase three, then it's just a matter of time of putting out the finishing touches, and then we will be able to start weekly services. And so here's where the big ask is, and what I'm believing and hoping and praying is, I believe, because of the generosity that I've seen in this church and in our community, I think we can complete all three of these phases by the end of the year. I think, and I'm hoping and praying, that New Hope Shelbyville can be having weekly services in their own permanent home by the end of the year. But like I said, we're committed to staying debt-free. We made that commitment, and we want to stay to it. So we plan to not move on to each new phase until we've raised the money for it. That is our commitment. And so in the midst of this new campaign for Shelbyville, we need to remember what this is really about. Because the truth is, it's like, I'm giving you these phases and plans and everything that's going to be, but it's, it's really not about a building. It's about people. People who matter to God. New Hope Shelbyville never is and never has been a building, and that's why I think things have maybe been prolonged as long as they have, to remind us of that, to teach us that. If we learned anything in 2020, i realizing is the church is more than just a building. Amazing things can happen in facilities like that, but New Hope Shelbyville has been up there and moving and doing ministry long before they've ever had a building. And so... The money given for this new campus isn't really about a building. It's about the life change that will happen in there and through there every single week. And so I just want to give you just an opportunity to check out some of that life change that has already begun to happen. Check out this video to see what kind of ministry is going on up there. What's well, good to have you
1: guys. I appreciate you all coming out. I want you to kind of introduce yourself. Give us your names and maybe a little bit about your family. And then the other question is, how long have you lived in Shelbyville?
2: Uh, I'm Vinnie Warren. Um, I've got a daughter, Sophia, Um, my wife Autumn, and she has a son, uh, Austin, and I've been active with the church and enjoy it.
1: And y'all are new implants. You
2: aren't like long-term Shelbyville people.
3: So I moved to Shelbyville in 2010.
2: Mm -hmm. And I moved to Shelbyville in 2014.
3: Annie Reed, and this is my husband, Jade Reed. Mm-hmm. So we've both been born and raised in Shelbyville our whole lives. We have four kids; they're freshmen, seventh grade, uh, third grade, and first grade.
4: I moved to Shelbyville 2014. Mm-hmm. Rachel's from Shelbyville, so this is her hometown. We we were in Mount Zion before and moved down, so we've been here a few years now. And we've got three little girls, uh-huh. 13, 10. And eight.
1: Wow. So that's six girls on that side. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that's right. Uh, That's right. That's right. right. Well, 2020 has been an interesting year. I mean, not that 2021 will not be, but, you know, how do you feel like maybe God has messed with you this last year, or is anything stirring your heart? Are you thinking of this town, different things that you feel stirring right now as we are approaching or as we are in 2021?
3: For us i mean i think 2020 was challenging in a lot of ways you know we did crisis schooling with kids um, <laughs> which was the trip with four yeah. at different ages but we've also been leading high school youth group and so trying to figure out how do you engage these kids and help them grow their faith in christ in some of the most challenging times they've ever experienced when they're having isolation how do you get them on zoom how do we you know pivot and turn so many times in 2020 to engage these kids and give them a safe place that they feel like they can belong and just grow in their faith
4: yeah and just keeping like our home life and our and our kids you know consistent and keeping them you know um just accountable with with their growth and their you know how they uh move forward with their faith
3: 2020 was really hard for me. It turns out I am not built for quarantine, which might surprise some of you who know me a little bit, but it just, it was it was hard to have so many things feel like they were taken away. And then seeing that happen to the kids and the uncertainty of everything we were going through was really hard, but it did open a lot of doors for us. I've really enjoyed creating the opportunities for the junior high kids to get together and watch their relationships Build and blossom because there weren't so many distractions, but they are growing in leaps and bounds because there are so fewer distractions, and that's been really cool. I,
4: I see a lot of curiosity. I mean, I, I, I've received questions, and hey, is is New Hope coming to Shelbyville, and you know, what's their plans, and, and have they found a facility? And so, I, I've I've received a few of those questions, and and it's always. Uh, a positive reaction on, on their face you can see it when oh yeah no we, they have acquired the, the bowling alley and yeah. is construction started I remember someone last night asked me when are they going to start construction well it's demolition's already started and yeah. it's <laughs> underway and so um, I think people are really excited just uh, it's uh, it's always exciting especially in a small town when, when you see you know the inflow of, of investment and um, not only in the community but more importantly people and the kids around it the New Hope's vision to see a greater movement in the next generation and I think in
3: our small groups with with your high school your junior high and our fourth and fifth grade we're seeing and we're already seeing impact and lives
4: changed and our campus hasn't even fully opened yet so nice.
3: imagine what's to come
2: you know I think there's been some interesting things I've really enjoyed the intimate part of you know when you we're restricted, and we can only have so much. You know, as we've gone through over the last several months, um, and you know, the worship at home and seeing how intimate that was, and even if we're just watching it through YouTube or mm-hmm. the internet or something, it it was really phenomenal. Something different that I think really worked out very well. And and I guess in my mind, looking forward, you know, we can get into patterns of behavior and just say, okay, well, these are the limits and these are the boundaries we have to set within. And I think 2021 is really a no limits perspective I you know like just look at that and yeah. saying you know like if we're gonna I let do. go of these boundaries we're just not gonna say well this is what we're gonna get done in 21 we'll leave it to God yeah he's gonna do whatever he wants to do with us as long as we're willing mm-hmm. and as long as we equip ourselves you know so I'm just really you know as much as we look back and say well we couldn't have expected what 2020 was gonna be mm-hmm. you know I can't imagine what 21 is gonna look like I
4: mean,
1: I mean-
0: And I love what he said at the end, that 2021 is a no-limits kind of year. You guys like that? I love that. See, this is about life change. It's about reaching people, spreading the gospel to new areas and to new generations. And New Hope Shelbyville is our next step in doing that. And so here's the ask, and this is an invitation. See, the thing that I've learned in the spiritual life is that guilt and shame are not good motivators, not least over the long term. So there is no guilt. There's no shame around this. This is an invitation to take part in what God is already doing in our midst. And so here's the ask. See, I believe God is planting this new campus, and he's already shown his abundant provision in so many supernatural ways. But here's where your part could potentially be. And I see this kind of uh, dichotomy in the New Testament that in the mission of God— which we're all called to be a part of the mission of God, you kind of fall into two different categories. You, you either go or you send. That you may not be called to go to Shelbyville to be a part directly, you know, boots on the ground type, of, and that's fine, but you may be being called to send. And what does that look like for you to send? And so here's the ask, would you partner with us in getting New Hope Shelbyville's new campus off the ground? Would you be willing to sacrifice and give above and beyond maybe what you normally do to see the next generation reached in new and different ways? Like I had said for phase one, we're wanting to raise the first 125,000 to get construction started in the next couple weeks. Would you be willing to give for Shelbyville? So I encourage you and invite, and invite you to talk with your spouse today even. Talk with your spouse, talk with your family, Pray about it, lay it kind of before God, and listen to the Spirit. What is the Spirit saying to you about what role you're supposed to play in this? And please, please, please be praying for us as we navigate this. We want to stay in step with the Spirit. We want to be led by the Spirit, and we want to stay in step with Him as well. Man, what a great time to be alive and serving the Lord, amen? He's not done in our region. He's not done working And we each, in our own unique ways, get to be a part of it. And so during crazy times like we're living in, it's really easy for us to grow inward with things, you know, semi-shut down and uncertainty in the future. It's easy for us to grow inward and only think about ourselves, about just surviving. But I believe God is wanting to create streams in the desert, life where there normally shouldn't be, And I believe he's going to create avenues of provision for this campus in ways we can't even imagine. And the truth is, you might be one of those avenues of provision. Talk to God about it. Be led by the Spirit in it. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's going to be no pressure from us. We are just putting ourselves in a place of a posture of surrender before God and trusting that God is going to provide for what we feel like he has called us to do. So if you want more information about how you can give or what that might look like, or you even want to give today, you can give online. You can do the little drop-down menu for Shelbyville. You can write a check and in the memo, put for Shelbyville. Or if you just want to learn about the phases and what that looks like and how we're wanting to you know, kind of tackle all that, you can go to shelbyville.cc and it has all of the phases and all of our goals and all we're wanting to accomplish Uh, on there. And above all things, I ask that you pray for us as we move into 2021. I can think of no better way to end our time here together than to just kind of put ourselves in a posture of surrender and just to seek the Lord and pray. So I want to invite you to stand with me. And we're going to commit our plans, commit these things that we are trying to discern and trying to to live out. We wanna commit these to the Lord that the Lord would order our steps in this in the way that he wants it to go. So will you just pray for, I'm gonna pray right now and just pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst at New Hope Church at New Hope Shelbyville, in Shelby County. God, you are, we're already working before we even got there, and we're just taking part in something you've already begun to do. And that's what we want to do, Lord. We want to see where you're working, and we want to join you in what you're doing. And so, God, as we're getting ready to plant a permanent home there, God, we pray for supernatural provision, streams in the desert. Your word says that you can do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine, and we can all ask or imagine a lot. And so we're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking. God, order our steps. Bring that abundant provision in the name of Jesus. Help us to carry out and fully execute what we believe you called us to do. God, speak to us and move in our lives, God. Help us to live out what you've called us to do to see a greater movement of Jesus in each new generation. And so God, we offer all of these plans up to you to be led by you and directed by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, God bless you guys and have a great week.